Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to take a ride on the Steelers afternoon drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome into another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders. Alan, what's going on? Not too much. Talk to Mike Tomlin today. It's Tuesday. How many good weeks so far, Smitty? How's your week been? Uh, it was good. And then, start, you know, the conversation on X started to switch to being about the best places fast food-wise for chicken. Derek made me a little upset yeah. talking about it. And... Oh, God, man. <laughs> So you know that kind of that kind of you know dampened the mood that I've had. Uh, I was telling somebody today I was having a really good Tuesday, and then Derek had to put that out there. I happened to see him having a conversation with Danny Shirey. I had to jump in. I, like you said, like your response was to Derek. Not all of us are blessed with some of the places that they got in the South in terms of chicken. So you take what you can get. Do I think Canes is the best out there? No. Does Canes mm-hmm. slap? And would I pay like? Twenty dollars for Canes to be like right here in the car with me right now. Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, that's where that's where I'm at with it too. Like, I'm not saying yeah. it's like you know one one. I'm picking it first overall in a fast food no. chicken draft or anything like that. But like no. you said, and if anything, you know, it's more like that twentieth round, twentieth pick overall. That you know, you just you know, <laughs> is, is it always great? No, but like, does it get the job done? Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that toast has been a lot like season. it's six yep. and three this season, Smitty. It's not always pretty, okay, but it's winning. All right. Yep. Yep. That toast is forcing a lot of turnovers. I think ah, it's sustainable. Yeah. The yeah. sauce. The sauce. It's the best part. Uh, that this is and this is actually what the comments are going to be in response to. Nothing that we talked about football wise from this point forward. Just people's thoughts on canes in other chicken places. So I look I'd probably to okay with that. Also, canes like. Hit me up. Like we'll 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 do something. I will record this <laughs> from a Canes. Okay. There we go. I, will put, I should. I now. I really. What I really want is I need to go sell a Canes sponsorship for Derek's stories. Like just to mm, be petty. That would be hilarious. Right? Yeah. Right. Like Canes. I'll do this for nearly free. Okay. Just because I want to laugh at my coworker. I will offer. The Derek's Dudes and Duds brought to you by Raising Cane's Chicken just to clown Derek's chicken takes. Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, he was texting me about his uh is a Landon Roberts story that he was writing. And mm-hmm. I said, Oh, funny you say that because I hear that he really likes raising canes. And he said, well, he's automatically gonna be a dud next week now. You're obviously from Houston, I don't know. Like Canes is a I don't yeah. know. I have to get his opinion. You know, good. You know, Fusakli in Memphis and uh, and Mobile. If you're there for the Senior Bowl, that's mm-hmm. really good chicken tenders. I think better than Canes. Really good, solid. If you if you're in, if you find yourself in Southern Alabama, which I 
assume that most of the people listening to this will not, but yeah, that's mm-hmm. good stuff there. Well, I'll keep probably talking about football. Example. Yeah, we're about three and a half minutes into this thing. We've yet to do so, but I'm trying to figure out. I got it. I got it. I got the segue. Okay. So if you were to venture outside of Pennsylvania, those are some chicken places that you can go to specifically in Mobile. The Steelers will not be venturing outside of their organization for help at linebacker, according to Mike Tomlin, even after losing Quan Alexander. Yeah, that was a stretch to get there. But uh, even after losing Quan Alexander, they're going to look at the internal options first. That was uh, something that he talked about during today's Tomlin Tuesday. Alan, do you think that they have an answer inside? And do you think maybe uh, we've seen some of the roster moves, like with Quan going on IR, they released a couple players from the practice squad, four spots right now between the active roster and the practice squad sure looks like they could be adding some linebacker help from the outside. Yeah. I mean, look, Michael Walker is going to play. He's going to play a lot. He's got 20 starts in the NFL. This is not like some scrub from the practice squad. Mm -hmm. And Tariq Carpenter played 14 games as a rookie last year with the Packers as a multi-phase special teamer. I, you know, Tariq's kind of a guy who's like, doesn't really have a position kind of fits into that like Marcus Allen kind of body type mold that the Steelers have had over the last couple of years. I'm not sure that he's ready to go play a ton of linebacker, but he can certainly be a quality special teamer right away. You bring those two guys up and that's your four inside linebackers on the roster this week. And I don't think that you're going to get anybody better than that right now, just cruising through practice squads, looking for answers. Um, Maybe, but I kind of doubt it. So from that standpoint, I think what Tom had said made sense and that they're not looking for no one's going to start over. No one's going to start for the Steelers at linebacker besides Mark Robinson, Landon Roberts, and like maybe Keanu Neal and maybe Michael Walker. Mm-hmm. Like there's nobody else out there to start. Now, are they going to backfill that depth? Yeah. Like that's where like that, com- that comment to me, like, I mean, it, it it required a little bit more context than Mike gave. Like they're going to sign another linebacker tomorrow, a hundred percent to their practice squad because they need those. Like you need card linebackers. You're trying to get four guys ready to play the position. Like someone's going to have to be on the practice squad. Uh, and so, you know, like that, they're going to sign some one, maybe two. Um, so, you know, but what I guess what he's trying to tell you is, when the new transaction comes across tomorrow that the Steelers have signed linebacker, I don't know, Dick Butkus Jr. or whatever, like, I mean, that guy's not playing, okay? That guy's there to be on the on the practice squad. Right, like, like a Rashawn Evans or, you know, we just saw Anthony Barr sign to the Vikings practice squad. Like, yeah, it, you wouldn't expect it to be a name like that, somebody that we're expecting to immediately jump right in and play over anybody that's currently an in-house option. Um uh, of the in-house options, though, you know, you mentioned Michael Walker and stuff like that. We kind of had a conversation about him yesterday. Um, you know, maybe his best asset being what he could do in coverage, of course, once he gets the playbook down and understands the communication aspect and just everything that's within this defense. But I will say, do you think it kind of lends their hand to having another week to kind of get him there because, like, of what Cleveland does offensively? Like, this would have probably been a big week for – this duo of Landon Roberts and Mark Rob, well, Mark Robinson, I think this lends his hand more to this matchup than it would like a Cincinnati game the following week. Uh, are you in agreement with that? Like, would we have seen this duo mainly anyway? 
Yeah, and like I talked, I asked Mike Tomlin, like, does Michael Walker need to know his job or does he need to know the whole playbook to play? Because if you're going to be mm. the the dime linebacker, you know, yeah. you've got to you got to wear the green dot pretty much. I mean, there's not really anybody else that's a central communicator if you're going to be the only linebacker on the field. And he basically said he will not be the only linebacker on the field. Like that's not going to happen. Um, so, yeah. I mean, this is not a big dime game anyway, like you're saying. But the dime yeah. linebacker is either Landon Roberts or it's Keanu Neal. Like that, those are the only two options. Um, Tomlin said he's not sure who's going to wear the green dot. They can rotate. I would think it'll either be Neal or Roberts. Uh, I expect both of them to play nearly the entire game. And I think it is the kind of game where guys with a skill set like Roberts, Robinson, we're going to play a bunch anyway. I mean, you saw when they gave Mark Robinson those snaps down the stretch last year, it was mm-hmm. what, what, what was it Cleveland or was it? It was, I know it was Baltimore was one of them. Was the other game Cleveland or Carolina? Either way, it was teams that like you knew that all they were going to do was run the ball anyway. And so, right. you know, it, it, it is this week is I put on Twitter today. It's like kind of funny because like, the students should feel pretty good about the running game right now and they should be terrified about their linebacker coverage. And this week, no matter how good your running game is, no one's going to feel good about it playing Cleveland. And linebacker coverage, not really in it. It's kind of where they're at right now. Yeah. Um, Mark Robinson last year played 44 snaps, uh, uh, seven against Carolina, 26 against Baltimore, and 11 against Cleveland. Okay. The three so games he played. Like, th- these are the kind of games that you would expect him to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you mentioned uh, yesterday a little bit too, like maybe seeing some more three outside linebacker stuff, uh, which I think is an interesting conversation. So like, what does that look like though? You know, to the people at home that might be wondering how those guys would align if you were doing that. Like, are you talking when you think that, you know, Herbig and Highsmith rushing off the edge and maybe lining up TJ in a different spot or like, how does that look? I mean, there's a bunch of different ways you can do it, but in general, you know, what the Steelers are doing, I don't want to get too complicated here, but like, Really, the Steelers' defense is a – the Steelers' base defense is a 5-2 defense, really. I mean, the, the outside linebackers yeah. almost never drop into coverage, right? Okay. And the inside linebackers very rarely blitz. Like, they are pretty usually going to be coverage players, and the outside linebackers are almost always rushing. Okay, so if you put a third outside linebacker on the field, now you are going to drop an outside linebacker into coverage and you are also but you are disguising which of the two are rushing that that's what you're doing so you're going to drop Alex Smith you're probably not dropping TJ although he has dropped some this year but you're going to drop yeah. an outside linebacker into coverage and all you're doing is just disguising which of the two which two of the three are rushing. Unless it's a blitz, and then you can rush all five. But the Steelers haven't really blitzed that much, and Deshaun Watson is not the kind of quarterback you want to blitz a lot anyway. So, like, mostly what you're doing is just you're trying to confuse the defense or the offensive line about who is coming from where. You know, that's the idea of a 3-4 defense in general is that you have four rushers, but you don't know which one's going to be. Uh, what's changed is that the Steelers have not – you know, have, have really – 
gotten to the point where they, they really don't play their base defense when those guys are going. And mm-hmm. so because of the because of how much they use the nickel package now. So it just kind of bring Yeah. Uh, and, you know, her big being a part of this rookie class, I wanted to bring up too, because Tom touched on this, you know, season flying by, we're heading into week 11 here. Um, but I wanted to just get like a temperature check with you on where we are with this 2023 rookie class that everybody was so excited for. When you look at what Roger Jones has done, his insertion into the lineup, what he's done for this run, run game. Joey Porter Jr. has obviously been fantastic, and his role has continued to elevate to the point where he's now a starter. Johnny Benton's been awesome all year and continues to take on more snaps. Darnell Washington, we both said we feel like he just had his best game as a blocker against Green Bay. So, like, where are we at with the early returns of this rookie class? Man, does it look good. Um, Tomlin was particularly effusive in his praise of Broderick Jones and Keanu Benton today. Not that they don't deserve it, but generally he's a little bit more guarded than that when he's talking about young players especially, right? Like, he he usually tries to kind of keep the his hand on the reins a little bit and not let you know, the hype train get away from them. Uh, there's almost no denying it, though. Like, it, it, it's, it's almost like he can't even honestly say that they haven't been good. Like, they have been good. They've been really good. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why I think this team, while it's not playing that necessarily as well as its record might indicate, it's not like we should be panicking about that either because – there are so many players on this team that are getting better and improving right in front of our eyes. They're like, yeah, okay, yep. maybe the first nine game Steelers weren't really six and three quality, but that doesn't mean that the last eight game Steelers aren't going to be five and three quality. And if they happen to get there, I think 11 wins is a pretty darn good season. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, not even considering that, just like, again, looking at the development of these young players, and we've had a lot of conversation about that and, like, how the Steelers went about it as opposed to maybe the way the fan base was clamoring to see these guys in elevated rules earlier and stuff like that. But I had a conversation with somebody yesterday about, like, growth because they were saying they weren't seeing any growth within the team on a week-to-week basis. And I just I, – I, I don't know how, you know, you say that when you look at these young players taking on the roles they are, in, and, and I feel like they are getting better, especially the last two games, seemingly finding an identity for this offense to run through and what the blueprint is. Like, there's – that's obviously what they've been wanting to do, but wanting to do it and actually executing it are two different things, and I really feel like they started to execute it now over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I don't know where you're not seeing growth if you're watching this team on a weekly basis. And, yeah, I understand the negative feelings that come with major injuries and, and the kind of question marks that, that those absences bring. But I don't, I don't see how you can't be optimistic about this team playing better in the second half than it did in the first half based on the, the growth we're seeing from units and from individuals. Like, yeah, the whole run game, the whole offensive line is playing better. Isaac Samalo and James Daniels, those aren't young guys. They're playing better. Mason Cole, you know, outside of a holding penalty, I thought was much better. He's a guy that, you know, struggled earlier this year. Like, they're mm-hmm. just – they're coming into form. They're getting better. And I, I think there's there's all the reason in the world to have optimism about that process. Think about and, – and, and about those rookies, about the guys that are playing, that are playing better now. Like, oh, they should have played from the beginning, like that conversation. Like – yeah. Remember 2021 when, like, Dan Moore and Kendrick Green 
and Pat Firemuth and so many members of that class had to play as rookies from snap one. Did any of them show the kind of growth that we've seen from Joey Porter and Keanu Benton and Brother Jones and Darnell Washington throughout the course of that year? No. Now, maybe they just made better draft picks this time around. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. But, like, yeah. I think it's pretty clear that what they did and the way they approached the playing time for these rookies has worked pretty well, considering the team's six and three, and they're all playing really well right now. Yeah. I think the growth comment, honestly, is largely dictated by the play of the quarterback. Like, that is probably where that is coming from, if I had to guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that we're seeing growth in a ton of places from Kenny Pickett, but I don't know. Like, I think, yeah, if that's all you're looking at, like, what what, what are we doing here? Like, you know, it's not like the quarterback is the only guy on the team that matters. Oh, it's like a whole other conversation that we didn't want to get into today. John. So. No, yeah. <laughs> No, hey, Chris Carter joining the show tomorrow. We're going to have a very expansive discussion regarding Kenny Pickett. Uh, thanks to a question or comment slash suggested topic that got sent to Alan. So, yeah, we're going to save that type of conversation uh, for tomorrow. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm in full agreement in terms of the early returns on this rookie class. We don't know what it would have looked like if you threw those guys into the fire early. I can't speak to what it would have looked like. All I know is the process that they went with has obviously worked because of the returns that they're getting right now. Yeah, I mean, like, what are we – and, like, what, do we think that, like, Roderick Jones and Joey Porter would have stopped the Steelers from getting trampled by the 49ers? Like, where, where is the team negativity that we think those guys playing mm. would have reversed? Like, I just don't yeah. see it. Yeah. Well, that that's the thing, too, that I've brought up is – you know, largely due to that, and I'm not like putting it just on certain players or anything like that. It's a team effort, obviously, when you lose that that by that much. But I really think, and with those guys being early picks, you're going to have people pounding the table to see them early anyway. But I really think that, you know, there was such a loud conversation because of the guys playing in front of them, playing poorly, you know, Levi Wallace or Chooch or Dan Moore, whichever one people wanted out of the lineup. I think it was different depending on who you were. If those guys were playing well, would the conversation have been that loud to get Broderick and Porter on the field? Like I said, I think there still would have been conversation because of where those guys were drafted, but I don't know that would have been like as pressing from the fan base to see them. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, yeah, probably, you know, Although I thought Dan was good the first three games. Like, he was fine against – he did his job against, you know, uh, Crosby and, and Bosa and Garrett. Like, he he held the Ford down. Um, now, the offensive line as a whole didn't play well, but I didn't think he was a big problem early on. I thought he was all right, especially considering the level of competition. So, I don't know. I just yeah. think generally people are impatient and they get excited about draft picks and they want to see them right away. And they don't care whether that's the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do because it's not their job and they just want what they want. Patience is uh, the absolute uh, – just fans don't have it. They're not going to have it. Uh, it's just the way it is. Um, mm -hmm. Good sports teams find it even though their fan base doesn't care about it. Yeah, yeah, and something else the fans have obviously been clamoring for all, all this season, going back to last season. Uh, Matt Canada 
to no longer be the offensive coordinator. An AFC team did move on from their offensive coordinator today, the Buffalo Bills firing Ken Dorsey, internal option Joe Brady in-house as the quarterback coach being promoted to that role on an interim basis. Alan, you just wrote a piece for the site about this. We've had conversation on here in terms of, you know, why the Steelers didn't give themselves the ability to make a move like this by not having somebody else on staff and bringing in another person in the offseason. Um but, you know, now that we're seeing another team do it because they have a guy like Joe Brady, we knew that, you know, this conversation was going to be had again by Steelers fans. Yeah, it's, it's a two-part deal for me, okay? You know, like, one, it's really funny. I, you know, I just saw a sign was like, fire Ken Dorsey, like, three days, like, yesterday. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, he's the new Matt Canada. And then already the Bills have fired him. Like, he was the new yeah. Matt Canada for 24 hours. And now Matt Canada is still the Matt Canada because Matt Canada still has his job. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's two things to me. One, the Steelers have not wanted to fire Matt Canada. Like, it's not like they're not firing him because they don't have another option. They have not wanted to fire him because they are winning and because they are doing the things as an offense that they need to do in order to win the games. Is it pretty? No. Is it statistically good? Not even close. But it's winning football. And there is, you know, we've been, this has sort of been the theme of this week, right? Where we keep talking about like, what really matters? Does getting out gained matter? Does not having a 400 yard game matter? No. Like, what really matters is finding a way to score more points than the opposition, finding a way to prevent more points than the opposition. Like, and most of that comes down to situational play and taking care of the football. And the Steelers, through all their faults on offense, have eight turnovers this year. And they've t- they have 18 takeaways. They're tied for second in turnovers and takeaways, and they are first in the league in turnover margin. And that is why they're 6-3, and three, despite the fact that they have the 30th-ranked offense. And Buffalo is 5-5 five and five and just fired its offensive coordinator when they have the fourth ranked offense like that's the difference you know like you can't be you you can't hold the rest of your team back with turnovers it doesn't matter how many yards you put up and i think this is a lesson that a lot of people that are following this game both fans and people in the media need to learn that like that the yards don't matter if you turn the ball over at the end of them. Anybody who's watched a Buffalo Bills game this year has watched that happen. If, like, mm-hmm. How many Buffalo games you watch this year and you're like, what are they doing? They're so good. They just move up and down the field at will, and then they find a way to give the ball to the other team and screw it up. Like, would you rather have 3,000 yards and 18 turnovers or 2,000 yards and eight? Give me the 2,000 yards and eight. I'm going to help my team win more. Like, that's the point of this entire thing. And that is why the Steelers have not even considered firing Matt Canada because they are winning and they are getting enough from their offense to feel like they can continue to do that. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to ask this, like the right wording to use, but like how much of this is a conversation we had in terms of the way that the Steelers play defense, but really how a lot of teams are playing defense around the league in adjustment by them to do so, you know, you're going to get your yards, but 
we're going to either hold you to three or we're going to you know force a turnover. Like something is going to happen in the red zone to keep you out of the end zone. And that has kind of been to the Bills detriment this year, I feel like. So like the defense has punched back. Is Josh Allen and this Bills offense going to be able to punch back to that now with Joe Brady in town? They're not in town, but being well, I don't know. You know, I think Joe Brady's a talented offensive mind. I thought he was sort of unfairly, you know, he wasn't the yeah, that first Carolina, Carolina run, yeah, right when he was the coordinator. Like that wasn't him, uh, you know. And so, look, I, I think he's a guy that could be a good NFL offense coordinator. And the Steelers just don't have anyone with anywhere near that level of pedigree on their offensive staff beyond Matt Canada that would ever give them the thought that, like, okay, things are not going well right now. Let's try this instead. You know, that's why Matt mm-hmm. Canada's on the sideline right now, right? Mike Tom was like, things aren't going well. Let's try this instead. You try things when you're a coach and things aren't going well. One of those things is not going to be let's try somebody else call plays because they don't have another person on their staff that is a realistic option in 2023 to be an NFL offensive coordinator. The Bills had that option. So here's what happens. If the things that Tomlin and Matt Canada try don't work, then they're not good. If they can't keep up what they're doing, then they're just going to lose and their season's going to be over. They did not give themselves a plan B. I think that is something that was wrong, that they should have done this offseason. We've talked about it a lot. Um, right. I feel like I'm, I'm kind of beating the horse there, but uh, it's true. Like, this is why, like, if the, if, Okay, if Joe Brady finds a way to get Josh Allen to understand how to value the football and make this Buffalo offense work in a way that requires less risk, then the Bills are going to go right back to being a Super Bowl contender, and everyone's going to be like, see, that's why you fire your offensive coordinator. And look, maybe, but you have to have a better option or a potentially better option for that plan to work, and the Steelers didn't even give themselves that option. No matter how bad Matt Canada and this offense do this year, like there's no one that is going to make it better on the staff right now. Yeah, I mean, and from an outside perspective, just to add some context to this, it might seem like you look at the Bills offense through week 10, third in DVOA, first in success rate, third in EPA per play, fourth in QBR, third in yards per play, second and third down conversion percentage third and red zone efficiency it is literally just about the turnovers for this offense it's all it is they, they literally ken dorsey just got fired because of turnovers that is the one turnovers that caused losing okay that is the only thing that matters like it's not the only thing but it it matters a whole big bunch and you know i had a lot of conversations with people online since i wrote that defense column yesterday it's like Oh, so much of turnovers are luck. It's like, no, I mean, are they random events? Are they hard to predict? Yes, but they're not luck. We have this, you know, I am a believer of analytics. I am, I came up covering hockey and covering baseball. I was a part of the sort of analytical revolution in those sports where things that were only talked about in like weird internet chat rooms have suddenly become mainstream things that every fan knows about those sports. We could talk mm-hmm. about, you know, uh, weighted runs created or Corsi, like it is, you know, just a natural course of the game at this point. That was something that when I started covering those sports did not exist. 
Okay. Football is not like those sports. It is far more difficult to categorize what is happening on the field and how much of what is happening on the field is skill related versus, you know, coaching versus dumb luck. And to say that things are not like we can say that there's weird correlations. We can say that there's not obvious statistical reasons why this happens and this happens. But there are too many independent variables in football to sit here and tell me interceptions are luck. Interceptions are not luck. Now, is a recovered fumble luck? Yes. Okay. Literally, it's an oblong ball. The way it bounces is very unpredictable. But like, there's just because things are hard to categorize doesn't make them luck. It just means you don't know what is causing that. Okay. It's, it's uncertainty. It's not luck. There's two completely two very different things there. And it really bothers me with the assuredness level that members of the football analytical community talk about these things when I know from experience in other sports that they don't actually know what the heck they're talking about most of the time. And it drives me up a wall. Yeah. So like, I, like, I had what... to, I had to fight to get people to accept baseball statistics that are basically ironclad math. And you have these people that talk about football things that are like 80% made up suppositions talking about like, Oh my God, you don't believe this. It's a sure thing. I'm like, they're, they're not the same, my friend. They're not the same. So I guess, you know, the last thing that I want to ask you is like, What's the, ho- the the hope with going to Joe Brady is all of a sudden now the team stops turning the football over? Like, how does a change in offensive coordinator, like, put that onto the f- put that in display? Like, how all of a sudden are they going to stop turning the football over and it's an offense by changing the offensive coordinator? Well, well, I think, you know, it's very interesting because there's a real, like, you can look at these two quarterbacks, right? I mean, Josh Allen has all the talent in the world. We've seen him take over games. We've seen him win games all by himself. Uh, the problem is, it appears to be a lack of value in the football. Also, they they just need to run the ball more and take some of mm-hmm. the pressure off Josh Allen's shoulders. But like, if if they can, like, so much of what's happening with Kenny Pickett is that as he is reading defenses and making his progressions, he is very much relying on things that he considers an easy read or a safe throw. Like that seems like it is a large percentage of what the Steelers are doing on offense right now, where it's a lot of first reads. It's a lot of easy reads. It's a lot of safe Mm -hmm. throws. And the bills are not doing that. They're doing the opposite, right? Where it's like, Hey, I can get that ball in anywhere. And they need to find some balance between, Hey, just because you know how to make this progression and you know, you know, where these throws can be made doesn't mean they're all like sometimes you gotta live to fight another day sometimes you gotta make that check down and i i think it's it's about mindset for a player that has done that with Pickett, it's about the development of a quarterback's ability to make those reads and feel confident in when to take those risks and when not to take those risks You you have two sort of players that are opposites in this way where Pickett right now is operating this offense in a very risk-averse fashion and that's working mm-hmm. but it's not like that's a 
it's not a strategy. It is a, that is all they feel comfortable doing, right? Like they are not confident in taking more risks. Josh Allen's too confident in taking more risks, but yeah. it's a lot easier to say, hey, just dial it back 10% than it is to say, do this thing that you're not comfortable with and you have not proven that you're able to do yet. Like that, It's not just like the, the Steelers can point the remote control at Kenny Pickett and turn him up, just like Joe Brady is going to try to point the remote control at Josh Allen and turn him down. One, one thing you can do, the other thing is, is just requires a development of the individual. Yeah. Well, that's interesting too. Ken Dorsey, quarterback coach before he became the offensive coordinator was obviously Josh Allen's quarterback coach under Brian Dayball when he was the offensive coordinator. So, you know, he's kind of been with Josh as his QB coach and now as OC. So uh, we've talked about a lot with Matt Canada. The one thing about him hasn't necessarily developed a quarterback. We've seen this guy, Ken Dorsey, develop a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like it was, it was just about, the attitude of the offense and the and the yeah. way they approached risk was need, need to be you know reevaluated. I, I think in general, like if I'm you know if I'm general manager of the Bills, if I'm if I'm Brandon Bean, like they give Josh Allen hit too much. Like where's the protection of the investment? Like I, I think they're doing a lot of things on offense wrong that can be corrected. That is not just which play you call when, you know, it's about yeah. the mindset mm-hmm. of things. And I think, look, I, I think there's a chance this could work for them, but that doesn't mean that it will work for everyone. And I think, you know, the, the reasons that Ken Dorsey was fired do not apply to Matt Canada. And I think that's the kind of biggest thing is that Matt Canada is yeah. not causing his team to lose and they are not turning the ball over and putting their own defense in bad situations. Right. Well, there we go. Great conversation. Uh, before we get out of here, as always, Alan, tell the people where they can find you. At A. Saunders underscore PGH on X. Uh, SteelersNow.com and at PGH. Steelers Now is where all the words live. Read those so I can get paid. And um, yeah, that's about it. That's all I've got. There we go. Uh, like, subscribe, hit that notification bell here. Leave us a comment down below. If you're listening somewhere else, be sure to leave us a five-star review, wherever that is, Apple, Spotify, whatever podcast platform it is that you prefer. I'm Zachary Smith, PGH, for Alan Saunders and myself. Thanks for jumping in. Take another ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive.